0: Welcome to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. You will be able to find more Heartland sermons at hcc.ag or Heartland Christian Center YouTube channel. Please like, follow and share this podcast with others. We hope you enjoy this week's message by our associate and student pastor, Matt Willingham. So good to see all of you today here at Valpo. Wanna welcome our guest? Welcome All of you who maybe you're newer, maybe you've been here for a while, can't wait to hang out with some of you after church for lunch, and I want to welcome North Judson and Hebron and Westville, and uh, come on, Wanatal, everyone's there on live, put your hands together, let them know you're awake. So good to see you today. Pastor Phil is over at our Wanatal campus hanging out, encouraging the people over there, and you're here today, and I, man, I am glad you're here. Are you ready for the Word this morning? All right, five of you are. That's great. It's honor. Let me ask again, are you ready for the Word this morning? Yeah. There you go. There you go. Open up your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. We're going to go back this week, our third week in Joshua chapter 3. You're probably wondering how many messages can you get out of one text. Well, we're going to try to get one more today for sure. And uh, I told you last week there was going to be a part two for all the saved people that really came to church last week. The rest of you heathens that stayed home and watched online, we prayed. No, I'm joking. We prayed. <laughs> it was so good to see all of you. I know many of you watched online. We had two, service, two services combined into one, and I know many of you watched online or caught the message at a later date. And uh, But this week, we're going to go on back to Joshua chapter 3. Next week, man, listen, you got to be excited. Next week, PJ's preaching to y'all, and so you better come. Yeah, PJ's coming. I told the first service, we sat down with him this year, and we said 2024 is your year that you got to start. We said 2024 is the year you're not dodging this stage anymore. you got to get up here and preach. And so uh, if you've never heard PJ preach, he's a great communicator. Our students uh, get to hear him all the time, and so you're going to start hearing him some this year. And I'm excited about it, so I think he ought to do it. I think he's going to do a good job. Joshua chapter 3 is where we're going this morning as we go on back to our text. Last week we looked at Joshua chapter 3. And we uh, went to the text, and we went to the message, and we talked, looked at this story of, of what Pastor Phil had kind of really teed it up the first week. We talked about how in 2024, this year is a year going, to, going to be a year of shift and change and transformation, shift, change, and transformation. When it comes to limitless, limitless living and limitless uh, faith, that you and I have to be uh, okay and, and, and be comfortable with shifting. How many of you know shifting, though, is uncomfortable? All right, great. This is going to be an awesome message today. We have to be comfortable with changing. How many of you know change is not easy? There we go. And also transformation, that God is transforming us, the way we think, the way we process. In Joshua chapter 3, we're going to go back to the story that we started the last two weeks. In verse 14, it says, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, I forgot to tell you, if you want sermon notes, you can scan the QR code on the seat in front of you. If you're old school and you like notes, I think they do have a few copies at the guest center. You can run back there and grab you one right now. Joshua chapter 3, verse 14. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priest carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priest who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zarathan, while the water flowing down to the Sea of Arabah, that is the Dead Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite Jericho. In verse 17, the priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stopped in the middle. Where were they? Where were they? In the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground, why all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. God, I thank you for your goodness, Lord. I thank you for your grace and mercy. God, thank you for your presence that is here, God. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would just open our eyes, our ears, our hearts, our minds to what it is you have to say to us today. God, that you would challenge and change every one of us. Lord, let us live different than how we were when we walked in, Lord, at whatever location, than how we were when we clicked online this morning. God, thank you for your son, Jesus, for his sacrifice, and it's because of him we can come into your presence today. So God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, everybody said amen. 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 Limitless living, limitless faith. I titled my message this morning, step out, step down, and step up. Step out, step down, and step up. What does it look like to have this limitless living, to have this limitless faith in the midst of obstacles, in the midst of circumstances, in the midst of storms that we all face? How many of you, you've had a difficult week? Come on, by show of hand. You had something happen you were not planning for. Come on, by show of hand. The rest of you, you knew everything that was coming your wake all week. All right, great. I'm glad you know a lot of that stuff. You need, I'm going to call you this week for advice. Since you know what's happening, you can help me out on my week. But we all had something that we experienced this week that we were not planning on. We talked last week about what does it look like in this limitless faith, in this limitless living. How do we navigate these things? And in the story of Joshua chapter 3, we talked about the method of the miracle, how oftentimes God um, will do things different than how we thought it should be, and how oftentimes we might be experiencing the same problem, but, but God does it a miracle in a whole different strategy. They were at the Jordan River. The nation of Israel knew what it was like to be in a body of water. It was also uh, because they faced something else called the Red Sea, if you'd ever read that story. So, so it was the same difficulty, a body of water separating them for where they needed to be, but it was the same problem. But, but God used a different strategy, and we talked about how God, he is a stable God, but he's not stale. Come on, aren't you glad he's not stale? That he's creative. He's the creator of the universe. He he spoke everything we see into existence. So so how dare we sometimes think that we put God in a box and that he can only move certain ways. And so oftentimes he will do miracles in, in different ways in, in our life. That that when it comes to a limitless life, that you and I have to be open to different strategies of, of God moving. That we have to trust him in different ways. And we talked about also the, the motivation of the miracle. How the priest, when they stepped into the water carrying the Ark of the Covenant, how how it took something different, that they saw the, the the waters, they saw the floods, but they it was the the word that Joshua gave them. It was the prophetic message that he said that when you step, God's going to do something amazing. And how oftentimes when it comes to limitless faith that you and I cannot be deterred by what we see, but we have to rely on what God said. We cannot be deterred by our circumstances. We cannot be deterred by, by things that are going on around us, but we must hang our, our, our faith on not what we see, but what God said, and how oftentimes the biggest difference between faith and fear is what we focus on. We can focus on the waters, or we can focus on the Word. That was the recap version for all of us who missed it. This week, I want to go back to Joshua chapter 3, and I want to talk to you this morning When it comes to this limitless living, there's several things that you and I must understand, and I think we can see it in this story. And here's the first thing. If you're taking notes, write it down. Use your phone. Use whatever you're taking notes with. Understand the importance of his presence with me. Because the first thing you have to understand in this story, the Bible says in verse 14, so when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. The Ark of the Covenant is mentioned here for the first time in the book of Joshua. It's not the first time we've heard of the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament. It's not the first time the nation of Israel has experienced the Ark of the Covenant in, in their history. But for us, particularly in the book of Joshua, this is the first time we've heard of it, and it's an important focal point in this chapter. The, the Ark of the Covenant, this is kind of a rendering of a, as they've remade it, this is kind of the sim- symbolic thing that, that they've represented using what, the, what you read in the Bible in Exodus chapter 25. That's the first time the Ark of the Covenant pops onto the scene for the first time when God himself instructs Moses on how to build this Ark and, and what to do. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, was the, it was the most holy physical possession for the nation of Israel because it symbolized the very presence of God. Inside the Ark of the Covenant. There's three other things there on the screen. There was three things that was always kept inside the Ark of the Covenant. It was the Ten Commandments, which God had given to Moses. It was um, Aaron's rod, which was a big deal to them, Aaron the high priest. And then also there was a, a bowl, a jar of of manna. And and watch, the priests were carry were responsible for carrying the the Ark of the Covenant. There was always priests. It wasn't just a, a, an ordinary person's job. It would be the, the high priest. It would be the priest in accordance to what God laid out in Deuteronomy 10, that uh, it would be someone from the tribe of Levi, that they would carry four people, one on each pole, and, and they would carry up the presence of God. They would carry this Ark, and you weren't supposed to touch the, the Ark itself. You carried it by the poles. matter of fact, in the Old Testament, one of the priests made a made, made a mishap, and uh, a, and they were walking, and someone stumbled in the the ark goes to, to fall, so he goes out to grab the ark, and boom, God strikes him dead right there. He wasn't supposed to touch it. Talk about a high-pressure job right there. One little slip-up, and you die, right? And so, so, so this was the ark of the covenant. This is what they took. They were responsible, and, and they, were, they carried it by the poles. But, but watch, what, what the ark of the covenant represented, it was a symbol of God's presence, it was a symbol of him um, moving on their, beh- on their behalf. And the Bible tells us in our text this morning that the Ark of the Covenant, which carries God's presence, which represents him, the Bible says in verse 14 that the Ark of the Covenant, God's presence, goes before them. He says, this is how you're going to know when it's time to move. When you see the priests come, that means the presence of God is moving. It's time to get up and start stepping. Now watch, oftentimes we get ourselves in trouble because we step when we shouldn't step yet. Because Joshua told him, he says, you don't leave, God told him, you don't leave until my presence leads the way for you, right? And and I don't know about you, oftentimes in my life I've got frustrated with God because I thought I was supposed to do something and I did it. And I'm like, well, God, uh, you know, you let me down. And God's like, I didn't let you down. You just moved and you weren't supposed to move yet. Come on. Anybody ever been there before? I know y'all are saved. Y'all never mess up. I do, Right? And oftentimes we find ourselves getting frustrated, but but watch—they they know they have this, um, they have this decree, they have this, they have this plan, they have this um, this thing to obey. That when the presence of God moves, when the ark of the covenant moves, signifying the presence of God, that that you are to go as well. And when and where did the ark go? The ark went first. His presence, watch, will help you this morning. His presence moved first. Let me talk about myself because I don't like it when I talk about you. You know what I have a problem with? In my life, there's a lot of times in my life there's things that is first other than God's presence. My, my, my calendar might be first sometimes. Right? My schedule might be first. Um, my, my job might be first. I might even put my marriage first or, or my kids first. Joshua says to the nation of Israel, watch, this is what's going to be so important, that when it comes to limitless living, hear me this morning, when it comes to limitless faith, you and I must be willing to wait and rely on God's presence. And then oftentimes we get ourselves in trouble by being impatient with the Holy Spirit, by being impatient with God. And we don't even carry His his presence into our problems. You know what we do? We carry our worries. We, we carry our stress. We, we carry our anxiety. We, we carry our difficulties. We carry our burdens. But, but this is what Joshua is showing. This is what God is showing the nation of Israel. He says, when my presence moves first, it's my presence that's going to get to the Jordan River first that's going to make it all happen. It's not just what the priest did. It's not just what Joshua said. It's not even that all of the nation of Israel, all million of them, got up and marched. God says, or Joshua told him, he says, when the presence of God gets there, what was he saying to us? Listen, something happens, church, when God shows up on the scene in my life. Something happens when God shows up in the scene in my circumstances. Something happens inside of me and around of me. It doesn't matter how big the flood may look. It doesn't matter how big the storm may be, but when his presence presence shows up in my life, when I carry his presence first into that difficulty, when I carry his presence first into those circumstances, things begin to change. And it was important that they understand this. You're like, I get it. It makes sense. The presence should go. Of course, duh, we're Christians. We love Jesus. We should know that the presence of God should come first. But why should the presence of God be first? He tells us back in Joshua chapter 3, verse 1 through 4, go to your notes, go to your Bible. Why should his presence be first in my life? Watch. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittam and went to the Jordan and when they, where they camped before crossing over. Now watch. There's the Jordan. It's flood. They're camping there. And after three days, the officers went throughout the camp giving orders to the people. Watch. When you see the ark, when you see his presence and the, of, the, of the Lord your God and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move from your positions and watch and follow what? follow the presence. Now watch in verse 4. Then you will know which way to go. Don't miss this, since you have never been this way before. The nation of Israel knew what it was like to be at the Red Sea. They've never been to the Jordan River. The nation of Israel knew what it was like to see God move in the past. They've never been to this spot before. What am I trying to say to you is, listen, I know sometimes I I, I remember when I had a kid, when we started having kids and we had babies, right? And babies were easy, y'all. And now listen, any young parents that are here, I love you. But when they think babies are difficult, I'm like, you ain't got no idea. All they do is eat, sleep, and poop. That's all they do. It's easy, right? Like, yeah, it interrupts your night a little bit, but trust me, that's the easy stage. Wait till they start moving. Then you chase them all around the house, right? Then you to, you got to baby-proof everything, and you feel like you're living in a dog kennel yourself because you can't, you got to step over the gates, and you got to do all, you can't plug stuff in because you got to, uh, come on, you know what I'm talking about, and I remember, right, I, I got, when we started having kids, and they were just, they were just babies, and and, and I was like, oh, all right, cool, and, and, and the moment I figured that out, they became toddlers, and I'm like, oh my God, I thought babies was hard. Now toddlers, now they're moving, and now they're not toddlers, now they're teenagers, and I'm like, sweet Jesus, I ain't never raised no teenagers before. God, you go going to have to help me out. Listen, what am I trying to tell you is the moment that you and I put God's presence first, he's able to direct us in places we've never been before. Because this is what I know about God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know the one who does. I don't know what the Jordan River might look like. I've been to the Red Sea, but I've never been here. But I know the one who has been here before. I don't know what it's like to be in this season of my marriage. It's different. I've never been here before. How do I navigate it when I put God's presence first? I don't know what it's like raising my kids right now. It's different. I don't know how to navigate it. But when God's presence is first, I don't know how to overcome this addiction. I don't know how to break this mindset because it's different. I've never been here before. But when God's presence is first, when I carry him first into my circumstances, oh, when he shows up, everything changes. He brings clarity. He, he, he brings He brings, my my steps are ordered. Watch God's presence for the nation of Israel, and God's presence for you and I is able to direct and encourage even in dangerous moments of life. God's presence is so important for us in 2024. Hear me this morning. If you want some limitless living, if you want to know how to have limitless faith, guess what? We're going to face some things we've never faced before. I've never been in 2024 before. Have you? I, I've never been to tomorrow, have you? I, I've never been to next month, but I know the one who has. And, and when, I, when, I, when I carry his presence, when I let God go before me, when I let him order my steps, when I wait on God's timing and God's steps, and I realize he, it's not that he's trying to hold me back from anything, but he's just trying to prepare me from where he's about to take me. Oh, it'll revolutionize my life imagine, imagine if you will, I didn't tell the first services, imagine if you will, this is how I read the Bible. If there's a couple people in, in the Israel tribe, they was like, I ain't waiting on no covenant. I ain't got to wait on no covenant. Why? I got to wait on the Ark of the Covenant. I know how to cross a river. I've, I've crossed plenty of rivers in my life. This one is no different. The water is just, I'm just going to go ahead and go. Boom. They would have been swept away. Right? They would have drowned in that flood. But had, had they not waited on his presence going first, and once they waited on his presence, hear me this morning, once you wait on God, those things that look unstable, those things that look unfavorable, those waters that seem raging, he's able to direct your steps, and he's able to order your steps, and what looks unstable, he'll begin to make stable. Turn to the person you're sitting next to you, says, put his presence first. Come on, tell him, say, put his presence first. So, I got to understand the power of God's presence in my life. And again, not just here, but, but that I allow Him to be first in my life. I allow Him to direct myself. And that's the second thing I have to understand the power of the people that I surround myself with. I, I, got, I got to look at those people that are around me. In verse 15, now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest, yet as soon as the priest who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge. Again, this Ark of the Covenant, four poles, priests on each side, right? As, again, I know we talked about it last week, but I can imagine as they got to the uh, water's edge, probably had to be some encouraging going on. I mean, again, I know as people of faith, we could sit on a Sunday morning and be like, yeah, they jumped right in the flood. Why not? I mean, Joshua said, do it. Why not do it? Yeah, it was still a flood they had to step in still some raging waters. I can just imagine, the, particularly the men up front, the guys in the back had the easy job because if things went sideways, they could get out of there, right? But but the guys in the front, I can imagine as they're stepping, you know, maybe maybe the other guy was like, hey, don't worry, man, I got your back. I'm not going to drop my side. You don't drop your side. We got this. We're going to do this together. I can imagine the guys in the back saying, hey, man, you in the front, come on, you step. And as you step, we're going to step with you. We got this together. Hey, don't worry about the waters. I know the waters are crazy. I can imagine them saying, remember what Joshua said. Remember what Joshua said, when we get here, God's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know what it's going to look like, but but remember what Joshua said. I can imagine the encouragement that was going on. See, when it comes to limitless living, when it comes to limitless faith, you and I have to ask ourselves this question, who do I have walking with me in this life? Some of the best, you know what, let me give you some of the best free advice you could ever have. Some of you, the best thing you can do is delete some of them contacts out your phone. Some of the best thing you can do is unfollow. Hit that unfollow page or that unfollow button on social media. So some of the best thing you can, one of the best things you can do for your life in 2024 if you want to take your faith to another level is to get rid of all of those negative voices around you. Get rid of those people around you. Because I don't know about you, man, when, when I, th- these priests, they needed each other. It was a four-man job. They had to all hang on together. If one of them let go, the whole thing was going down. If one of them misstep, the whole thing was going down. And I don't know about you, but in life, when we experience it, life, when I get to those floodwaters, man, I don't need negative people in my life. I don't need people asking me, I don't know why you're praying for your kids, your kids been acting crazy. for. You. I don't need that. I don't need somebody saying, well, your marriage is the same way it was this year as it was last year. You've been praying for God to do something in your finances for five years, and look, it ain't happening. I don't need that. listen, when it comes to the water's edge and I get there with the flood, I need some people in my life that know how to get a hold of the presence of God. I need some people in my life to say, Matt, we're going to hang on, and we're going to do this thing together. We're going to step together. I got you. You got me. I need some people in my life that are willing and, and, and know how to get a hold of God's presence, they know how to pray. They know how, to, they know how to, to move. They know how to step. They know how to let faith operate in their life rather than fear. I need some people around me that is going to push me to everything God has for me. Listen, negativity is no good for no one. And isn't it funny? You don't even have to go looking for negativity. It just finds you all the time. You have to go looking and searching out for encouragement. You have to go look and search out for people to speak. But negativity will find you anywhere. Here are the priests, they go carrying, four of them, locked in, lockstep. We ain't letting go, you don't let go. Remember what Joshua said. I know the flood looks crazy, but come on, we're going to step together. The priests, they're carrying the ark. They've never been to this place before. His presence is going before them. I've never been here before, but I know who has. And come on, we're going to step together. And the Bible says that as they step out. Watch what happens in verse 17. We talked about it last week, but I want to come back to it. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, they stopped in the where? Come on, it's in your text. They stopped where? In the middle of the Jordan, and they stood, watch what it says, on dry ground. While all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground get the picture in your mind I showed you the picture last week of the flood it's now overtaking it's banks it's now overtaken it's boundaries and they get there and the Bible says that they end up in the middle of the Jordan it's not a geographic middle when you really study it out the history tells us and theologians tell us when they say that they ended up in the middle they end up in the deepest point of the Jordan River that's where they're standing And they're standing on dry ground. Now, I don't know about you. I don't know how much water you've been around. I don't mind water. But you know what I think the best water is? The best water is the water that I can see very clear all the way to the bottom, and I can touch. I like that water. That's good water. I don't need no deep end. I don't need the deep end. I can't swim very good. I got about 30 seconds in me to get to safety if I jump in a deep end. That's all I got. So if you're ever with me, I'm in a deep end. You get past 30, you better send some help because I'm going down. I'm going down. True story. My sister-in-law had to save me one time in the deep end of a hotel pool because I just sunk like a rock. She had to come pull me up. These ain't jokes. These are real-life stories, y'all. I can't swim. And so... So I, that's the kind of water I like, but I love water. My, my boys love water. So, you know, we do the beach. We do the lake. We do that stuff. We go tubing. We do all of that fun stuff. But have you ever been in the in the water before and and, and you can't see the bottom? And you know what I'm talking about. Don't act like you are so manly and so faith-filled people that this doesn't bother you. But something touches your foot and you don't know what it is, and you're like, oh, uh-uh, I don't know what that is, Right? And, and, and then, like, have you ever been, and it's, and it's more shallow than what you know, and, and, your, and your foot hits the bottom, and it's like all that, like, nasty junk, silt, and your foot begins to sink, you're like, oh, that's icky toes. No way. And you try to pull your feet up, right? Now, y'all, y'all are really good swimmers. Y'all could probably tread water. I can't. I can't tread water. So I'm just trying to, like, high step it up and try to get my feet up out the nastiness, right? Because I don't like the way it feels on my toes. It's just nasty. And I'm like, I don't know what this is. And, and so, but watch. This is not what happens for them. They get to the edge of the, of the flood. I could imagine the ground is a little soft. They step and they're like, man, I don't, I don't know about this. And uh, this is a flood. But Joshua said that when we get into Jordan, that God's going to do something. I don't know what he's going to do. And as they step, the water parts, but it's not sinking ground. As they step, the water parts, but there is no silt. There is no mud. The Bible says that as they step and as they get to the middle, the deepest point of the Jordan River, if anything would be nasty, you would think it would be right here. But as they get to the middle of the Jordan River, the Bible says they're standing on solid ground. Well, what, what, when the presence of God showed up and as they stepped out with the right people around them, what was a flood, watch this, what was a flood went to a solid surface to stand on. Hear me this morning. Let me encourage your faith that oftentimes you and I, when we come to a situation and when we come to a circumstance in our life, if you and I will be willing to step, this is what I love about God. God not only parts the waters, God not only calms everything, but he makes your steps solid. He doesn't put you on shaky ground. He doesn't put you on a place that you might lose your balance. But as you step, you begin to step on a solid surface. As you step, your steps are ordered. Your steps are sturdy on Christ, the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand that as my God begins to move in my life and challenge me to step out, that listen, I'm not shaky. I'm not unstable. The waters aren't bothering my feet. The nastiness that was left behind is not bothering my feet, but my feet is on a solid surface. I can stand there strong. I can stand there solid. I can stand there with faith. I can stand and just like Romans says, with the helmet of salvation upon me, with the breastplate of righteousness, with the shield of faith, with the belt of the truth, with the gospel on my feet, I can stand sturdy even though everything around me seems to be shaking. Even though everything around me seems to be like it is moving, I can stand and be strong. God didn't bring you here. Hear me this morning. God didn't bring you here in this place that you're at just so you can slip and lose your footing. God, God hasn't moved on your behalf to, yeah, he parted the waters, but he didn't bring you there just so you can stand and be like, oh, I hope I'm going to make it now. I'm on shaky ground. No, he says, you're on solid ground. He says, you're on the foundation that I've laid before you. And as you stand, you can stand there firm. You can stand there Sturdy, what looked like a flood, instantly turned into solid ground. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I don't know what it is that you came in with. Maybe this week you've been, I told you last week, remember to practice your stepping. I didn't mean the dance, I meant like your faith stepping, right? And and uh but maybe you've been stepping this week, but you've been cautious because you're like, I don't know. Listen, God come to remind you to say, as you step, it's gonna be solid. As you step, it's not going to be shaky. I didn't didn't bring you here just to leave you. I didn't bring you here just to turn my back on you. But as you step, your steps will become solid. See, God isn't just concerned about getting us to the other side. Even while we're on our journey this morning, church, he wants to make our steps stable. He didn't just say, you know I want to bring you here and do a miracle and just rush as fast as you can to get through the other side because you're afraid of getting stuck. You're afraid. The Bible says that they stood there while the whole nation of Israel, roughly a million people, history and theology tells us, is how many is in the nation of Israel. A million people is how many is crossing the shore. So as they stood there, they were stable. They were steady. They were not slipping. They were not falling. They were not concerned about, are we going to make it? They stood there confidence that's what God wants to give you this morning confidence as you're standing as you're waiting to cross over God says I want you to stand with confidence so you understand the presence the importance of God's presence understand the importance of God's people understand the the shift that happens when I step but this is what I, I want to talk to you about this last point understand the purpose that God has for me This is why I love Joshua so much. Joshua is the next generation leader for Israel. Now, we know Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, we're about to read that. But God actually shows up for the first time in Joshua chapter 1, and he begins to talk to Joshua, and we know what has happened. Moses has died. He's no longer the leader for the nation of Israel. He's not going to inherit the promise. We know what God's promise is for Israel. God, God, God's promise for Israel is you're going to inhabit Canaan. That is your land. That is your place. You're going to go take those cities. The nation of Israel is like, well, that's great. But we don't have a leader. And Joshua has been there a long time with, along the, the side of Moses, and, and he's hung out. And so in Joshua chapter 1, the Bible says that God comes to Joshua, and he says, listen, Moses is dead. It's now your time to lead. And he says these words. He says, as just like I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Now, this is how I read the Bible. This is just me. I can imagine Joshua's like, oh, snap. It's about to get real. Okay, cool, cool. Because Joshua's been there for a while, right? Joshua's been there. He he, he was with Moses at the Red Sea when Moses stretched forth his staff and and, and the Red Sea parted. Joshua was there. So I I can imagine as God said, hey, man, just like I was with Moses. Joshua, I'm gonna be with you. I can imagine Joshua's like, Oh, we're my staff. I gotta get my staff ready because uh, I saw what he did for Moses and I gotta get my staff. We're my staff. Somebody bring my, bring my. Joshua was there when, when, when Moses, uh, when, when he hit the rock with his staff and they were in the desert and the people were thirsty and they were complaining and they said, We don't have no water. And so, so God uses Moses and he goes and he hits the rock and, and the water comes out, right? Some of you, you've read this story and the whole nation of Israel. They get they get to the drink. I can imagine Joshua's like, oh yeah, I remember that in the wilderness. Yeah, God, you you use Moses. And and so, and God says, just like I was with Moses, I'm gonna be with you. I can imagine Joshua's like, oh, this is about to get lit. I need to get uh I need to get my publicist ready, make sure you got your phone because when we get to the Jordan River, I'm sure it's gonna be something crazy. You know what, God? If, let, me, let me blow in the water, let me use my own wind. Maybe I could just blow on it and, and watch it, or or maybe not maybe I blow, maybe I just take my cloak and like fan it, you know, do like a little fan and, and like make sure you get a good, you know, a good video of it so we could put it on the gram and we could hashtag anointed and like everybody would know, right? I can imagine. This is how I read the Bible. This is this is probably maybe what would go through my mind. Just as I was with Moses, Joshua, i going be with you. Oh, it's about to get crazy. I'm about to do some crazy stuff. Everybody get ready. It's going to be good. But Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, now this is the first time since God talked to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1. And said, as I was with Moses, watch, follow, as I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Boom, don't hear from God. Joshua chapter 3, verse 7 through 8, God shows back up says, and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all of Israel. Where's my staff? Somebody get my staff. i got to get ready because it's about to get crazy. We're about to go to the Jordan River. Me, hey, get the phone ready. It's about to be good. Today I'm going to exalt you in all the eyes of Israel so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. This is what I've been waiting on, God. This is what you told me you was going to do. Oh, it's about to be so much fun. What miracle are you going to use me to do? How is this going to happen? It's this exchange at the Jordan River. The Jordan River, we see another exchange in the Old Testament, 2 Kings chapter 2, Elijah and Elisha. And and Elijah, who was a mighty man of God, he was a prophet. Elisha was his protege. Elijah's getting ready to die. He's getting ready to leave. And he tells Elijah, he says, What is it that I can do for you before I leave? Elisha says, When you leave, he goes, Let me have a double portion of what you have. And Elijah's like, that's a lot to ask. But if you're there when I'm gone, you can have it. And so they get to the Jordan River, same river. The Bible says that Elijah takes, his, Elijah takes his cloak, and he hits the river. Boom, the river parts. They walk over to the other side. This is where his eternal exchange happens. And as he leaves, Elijah's like, oh, man, Elijah's gone. And, and his cloak falls down. The mantle from Elijah falls to the ground. Elijah is left there. Watch, I'm putting it in context. Elisha grabs the mantle. It's like, okay, snap. The Jordan River. I get back to the other side, what am I going to do? He's like, well, I remember what I saw Elijah do. So he goes back over to the same Jordan River. It takes Elijah's mantle, and Elisha says, where is the God? If Elijah smokes the water, boom, water parts. Elisha crosses over, which is an incredible feat, and I'm sure an incredible thing for Elisha to know, all right, God's with me. But as Elisha does that, you got to read the story, there's prophets, other prophets of God in the distance watching this. And so they see Elisha mimic what Elijah did. Now watch. And they know instantly God's hand is on Elisha. We should follow him. Do you see what happened, right? They see it themselves. They witness it. So now here is Joshua. Now let me take you back to Joshua chapter 3. The nation of Israel is trying to figure out what are we going to do. We know what God has promised us, but we don't have a leader. So what is going to happen? As I was with Moses, I'm going to be with you. Josh was like, I know what's going to happen. Yeah, I'm going to use my staff. I'm going to do something crazy. Then everybody's going to know that's the man right there. They're going to know what's up, and they're going to say, hands down, we're following this guy. So I'm sure Josh was getting amped up. All right, God, I'm ready for the marching orders. What's it going to be? I'm sure it's going to be great. I'm sure it's going to be an awesome miracle. Go to verse 8. I put it on your screens only. And God shows him, and he tells him, all right, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go stand in the river. Okay, cool, God, what else? No, that's it. Okay, cool, God, where's where's my part? What, what you need me to do? No, that's it. Just tell the tell the priest go stand in the river. I'll uh, hold up, God. You forgot something. My name's Joshua. I didn't hear my name Joshua come out your mouth. And I'm sure you need me to do something in this miracle. Because Moses, I mean, he woo waved his thing and and the waters parted and bam, slapped the rock. I mean, come on. Yeah, you need me to do something. No, just go tell the priest to stand in the river. Well, hold up, God. You, You didn't call my jersey number or nothing. Like, I'm trying to get in the game right now. Could you imagine? Watch just for a moment. Let's pause. Could you imagine the things that started going through Joshua's head? Because interestingly enough, Joshua himself was not directly involved in this miracle at all. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you, but I'm going to use you different. Joshua did not have his hands really in this miracle other than just to give the marching orders. So I can imagine, again, this is just me. I can imagine in that moment, Joshua started thinking, hold up, God. How are they going to know that you're with me if I ain't doing the magic tricks? How are you going to know that, that you're with me if I'm not the one doing the stuff we could put on Instagram? How, how do you know you're with me if I'm, and I can imagine for a split moment, just for a split moment, that maybe Joshua started comparing himself to Moses. I mean, Moses did it like this, and the people followed him. I mean, Moses did it like, I mean, God used Moses in, in, in this way, and that's how Israel knew. Watch, listen, when, when it comes to limitless living, watch this, when it comes to limitless faith, when it comes this year in 2024, if we want to inherit and want to be everything that God has called us and wants us to be, when it comes to being used by God, I must remember that there is a cost to comparison. I, I think this was a fork in the road for just a moment for Joshua. That there's a cost to comparing my life to other people. Because this is what happens if I begin to compare my talents and my gifts, if I begin to compare how God uses me versus God, how, how God uses them, watch what happens. I'll, sometimes I'll feel, I'll feel like less. So sometimes I might feel like, like, uh, under, like I'm underused. Sometimes I might feel like I'm left out. Well, you know what? God didn't use me like they used them. I mean, God, God, hasn't, God hasn't used me in my workplace, and I look at that person, and God's using that person. Why hasn't God used me yet? And, and I begin to compare myself. I'll start to feel passed over. Moses, when you begin to look, right, Moses was a hands-on leader. This is the kind of leader Moses was. You go study Moses' life. He he was used in that way. But to the detriment that Moses was too hands-on sometimes. If you go read in the Old Testament, Jethro, his father-in-law, has to come to him one day because Moses is stressed out, and he's angry, and he's just almost on the brink of burned out. And the reason he's almost burned out and he's stressed out is because his hands are literally on everything. And Jethro comes to him and says, man, listen, you got to learn how to divvy out some responsibilities. You can't do everything and be everything to everyone. And, and so, so Moses did so things. But Moses' downfall as a leader was he was so hands-on that he would allow himself to be stressed out and maxed out sometimes. And it was his stress. Go read the story. Some of you know it. That again, they come to another rock and they're thirsty and God says, I want you to speak to this rock. And he's stressed and he's angry and out of his stress and his anger he hits the rock with his staff. And of course God does the miracle and he brings it, but because of his lack of obedience God says, you're not going to the promised land now. So watch, hear me this morning. Come on, Pastor Lindsey. I'm giving you a free leadership lesson now. I won't even charge you for this. This is extra. Obedience. If you and I want to experience everything God has for us in 2024, if we want limitless faith, limitless living, watch this. Obedience is the breeding ground for God's favor. God doesn't want you to be like someone else. He wants you to be you. He wants you to be obedient. What if Joshua be like, no, forget that. I want to be a part of this. I'm carrying the ark this time. Everybody get out the way. Give me one of the poles. I want one of the sides. He would have messed everything up. He would have. And listen, I've had in my life, now listen, I love my dad. I think he's one of the best preachers I've ever heard. He's preached for a very long time. He's got a lot of years of experience. And I consider it a great honor to be able to share the stage and the platform with him. And sometimes people will say something like this, and I know it's meant as a compliment, and I take it as a compliment, but to say, you know what, you sound a lot like your dad when you preach. And that's cool, I like that. I think of my dad, I think of my, my grandpa on both sides, Wallace, Willingham, I, th- I think of my granddad, David, Carroll. both of them mighty men of God. If someone wants to say, man, you're like... I take that a little bit as a compliment. I've had other people say, Man, you remind me of this person or you remind me of that person. And it's a compliment. And I mean, it, and, I, and I know it's all meant well. And, and I do take it as a compliment. But you know what I want to be? I want to be Matt. I don't want to be Pastor Phil. I don't, I don't want to be this person. I want to be that person. I want to be, there might be qualities that I want to carry and inherit. But, but, mostly, but most importantly, when it comes to discovering, God, I want God's purpose in my life to be the Matt purpose, not no one else's purpose. And Joshua had to understand this. That listen, Joshua, if you're going to be the leader, for the I don't need you to be like Moses. I don't need you to carry the staff and part the sea. I need you to be obedient in what I tell you. And as you obey me, it's your obedience. Watch, watch, watch. It's not your leadership qualities. It's your obedience that's going to get you to the promised land. That's a good word. It's not how well you can communicate. It's not your people skills. It's not how charismatic you are. It's not the gifts that you carry. It's your obedience that is going to allow you to cross the Jordan and get to the other side. And it's your obedience. Watch this. A whole nation of Israel was blessed and saw a miracle because of his obedience. And so you and I even, hear me this morning, don't be upset. And don't be mad when God just uses you and you may not get the glory and other people around you get blessed. Don't be mad that they just look right over you and they look right to God because that was his purpose in the first place. His purpose to use us is to not make us famous, but it's to make Him him famous. His purpose to use us to, 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 to reach the world and to reach our family, it's not just to put us on a platform, but it's to put Him on a platform. It's to remind the people around us of His glory. It's to remind the people around us of His goodness. It's to remind the people around us of His grace, of His mercy. That Had it not been for Him working on me on my side, I wouldn't be here in the first place, but had it not been for Him, moving in my life i wouldn't be here either so but the same god that brought me here let me show you he's the same god that can get you here that's why he wants to use us that's why he wants to to to, for us to take the the gifts and the talents the purpose of god exalting joshua was not for joshua's own sake but it was to remind israel i haven't left you yet so when you go to that work, when you go to that school tomorrow, when you go to that city, God is not putting you there so you can look at people around you and say, let me, let me show you who I am. He's putting you there to say, let me show you who he is. Let, let, remind, let me remind you that he hasn't left you. Let me remind you that he still loves you. Let, re, let me remind you of his goodness, of his grace. Ephesians 2 says it like this, verse verse 8 through 9, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. God's purpose for you and I is not to be like someone else. God's purpose for you and I is not for so people can point to us. But God's purpose for you and I is for us to declare his goodness and his mercy. For us to point those around us to his presence, to his goodness, to his mercy. Listen, we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Why? To declare the goodness of God. To declare the praises of him who called me out. I didn't get here by myself. I didn't bring myself here. I, it's not because of my works and and my my goodness in my life that got me to this place. But it's because I got a heavenly Father and that is my purpose that is your purpose to declare that to the world around us but what is it in your life that maybe you've been comparing what is it in your life that maybe you felt like you haven't added up you're saying but God I don't speak like this person I'm not outgoing like this person. I don't have this kind of money. I don't have that kind of job. I don't know what it is. But listen, this morning God comes to tell you, if you want that limitless life, if you want that limitless faith, you got to be willing to trust Him. you got to be willing to surrender to Him every area of your life and say, God, help me live out the purpose that you have for me. Come on, I want you to stand. Come on, I want you to stand right at your seat and come on, if you want to... I know we come from different church backgrounds and sometimes raising our hands is a little uncomfortable but when we lift our hands it's a sign of surrender it's a sign of saying God I'm giving up and so come on if you're comfortable you don't even have to raise them up as high as you can but if you're comfortable I want you to just put your both hands up in the air come on as a sign of surrender maybe you came here this morning and you've been trying to put everything else first you've been You've been just trying to work hard and Do as much as you can and you're letting all of these other things drive your life but God comes to remind you listen it's about my presence it's about his presence working in our life he wants to be not just an add-on but he wants to be first maybe you need some people around you to encourage you maybe you need some people around you to lift you up you've got negative voices you need to shift maybe you come this morning and you're stepping but you're like I just don't know is it going to be sturdy God wants to remind you you're on solid ground this morning maybe you come in hearing your comparison, you're comparing and you're looking around, but God says, I want you to know the purpose that I have. So come on with your hands raised wherever you are this morning. Thank you for listening to Heartland Christian Center Sermon of the Week. If you would like to partner with us and give, please go to hcc.ag and click to give tab. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with others. Also, if you have a prayer request or want to contact Heartland, please email us at Pastor Phil at HCC3D.com. Have a blessed week.